Rough Trade is giving away a third of the first three months of the Rough Trade Club plus new music membership exclusively to 101 Part-Time Jobs listeners. Become a member of Rough Trade Club New Music and you'll receive the Rough Trade Album of the Month straight to your door every month on an exclusive vinyl pressing with bonus material. Club members have received exclusive pressings of albums from Sufjan Stevens, Sprints, The Last Dinner Party, English Teacher and Over Mono, just to name a few, this past year alone. Sign up using the promo code CLUB101POD and you'll get Rough Trade's Album of the Month, Camera Obscura's Look to the East, Look to the West for a third of the usual price. By signing up, you'll be getting Rough Trade's exclusive issue of the album on opaque purple in a gatefold sleeve plus a bonus CD containing five demos. Don't want the album of the month but still want all the benefits? Sign up to the standard tier using Club 101 Pod and you'll still get the first month free. You'll also get free shipping on all orders, 10% off at the bar and on secondhand vinyl in store and exclusive access to sold out Rough Trade events. So don't hang around. Head to roughtrade.com slash club and sign up with the code CLUB101POD. That's CLUB101POD and claim money Money off Rough Trade's album of the month today. This offer is for UK residents only. Do you play in bands? I did for the longest time. And I wish that I knew that DistroKid was a thing. I don't even think it existed back then. DistroKid makes music distribution fun and easy with unlimited uploads and artists keep 100% of your royalties and earnings. A million plus artists rely on DistroKid to get their music on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram, and all the major streaming services. When you get DistroKid, you can see a DistroKid bank and withdraw your earnings. You get notified when you've earned royalties and you can withdraw via the app. And you can even check your streaming stats on Spotify Spotify and Apple. Get 30% off your first year on DistroKid by going to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. 30% off for your first year. That's not bad. We know it's a tough world out there. Why don't you make it easier for yourself? And to get 30% off that free year as an artist where you get 100% of your royalties and earnings, go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. All right, stay with me. I'll be right back after this. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm 
stops and tell them what I want. My battery's 100%. Hey, you're listening to 101 Part-Time Jobs with me, Giles Bitter. It's where I speak to bands and artists because it's a strange time to be making music in 2024. On today's episode, I speak to Jonathan Higgs, front person of Everything Everything. Brilliant band. Over the years, they have captured so many different types of music fans. They don't really fit into one kind of particular scene or crew, I don't think. They stand in their own lane. And their new record, Mountainhead, out on the 1st of March, is so much color and energy and character profile to it. It's deep, it's shiny, it's magical. Big fan of this band. I was late arriver to everything, everything. And you know, I never think it's too, I don't think it's ever too late to get into a band and a band that just totally cuts through. That's what everything everything does. I've got Jonathan Higgs here who tells some excellent stories on this episode. I hope you enjoy it. If you do, make sure you subscribe, leave a review if you've got 30 seconds and you're feeling extra generous. I'm glad you're here. Shout out to our sponsors 2000 Trees, the best medium-sized festival in the UK in Cheltenham, just a few hours away from London on the train this July. The Gaslight and and the chats are headlining Manchester Orchestra, Creeper, Hot Mulligan, Boston Manor, so many excellent bands at Trees. If you want to go, get your tickets now at 2000trees.co.uk. Introducing Ampolo, the new app for musicians. Using AI stem separation, play along to any song, improving your practice and performance. Record audio or video and connect with musicians all over the world. Collaborating and creating together. Think Google Docs meets TikTok, but for musicians. There's a huge range of video and audio editing tools. And the best part? It's free. Download today and make your mark. Ampolo, made for music. Ampolo's the app to download if you want to practice your tunes on any instrument from home. But right now, on 101 Part-Time Jobs, about to release their new album, Mountainhead. It's everything, everything's Jonathan Higgs. 101 Part-Time Jobs. All right, I'm recording now, so everything you say is on the record and may be held against you. Have you ever been arrested? No. Yeah, me neither. Ever nearly got arrested? I, yeah, because I was actually doing a, um, I was talking on the radio and I had to wait for this call that was going to be live on Radio 1, which is a, a big deal. And uh, I forgot it was going to happen. So, And I was out in the supermarket looking for flower pots. And I picked, I sort of went in, had a big bag on, because I actually bought some flower pots at a nearby shop. And then I was like, I'll just see if they've got any the ones I really wanted in this other shop price check. and it was Morrison's, which is like a, well, you know, Morrison's, I thought you were American for a second. <laughs> um, it was in Morrison's and then I went in and I was looking around and then suddenly I got the call and I was like, shit, I'm in the middle of a supermarket. I cannot do this in here. This is radio one live. I have to run out of here. So I ran out of the Morrison's with this big bag on my back and the security guy obviously thought I was doing something untoward and ran out after me. But by this point, I was on the phone to Annie Mac, and uh, and then and then the guy grabbed me and he was like, "Mate, what, empty your bag." And I was like, "Mate, I'm I'm on I'm on I'm on the radio. Like, what am I? <laughs> How do I explain?" And this guy, like, I think English was probably a second language, so there was this huge problem of me trying to explain this to him in a few words without completely ruining the interview on the on the radio as well. It's like. 
I'm on the radio. <laughs> like his face was just like, uh, <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> empty your bag, mate. That <laughs> you know? is incredible. That is yeah. So I had to empty the amount. <laughs> and I had to empty out the the flower pots <laughs> while I was on the radio, which was pretty cool. And then he was like, "All oh, right, sorry." <laughs> Could you, did you listen back? Could you, could you go back to it and laugh? Uh, I think I did. Yeah, I think I did. I can't quite remember when that was now. I think it was maybe on a fever dream, but yeah, it definitely happened. Brilliant. Excellent. How, I mean, how are you feeling now? I've just spent the whole morning listening to Mountainhead and the thing, Oh, great. the thing that I've, the thing that I really get from it is, and this is very you, you know, from your interviews, ever since like the very beginning, you're clearly a very thoughtful person and you're very articulate. And a lot of what I get from the lyrics is, is either about capitalism or it's about AI. Is that where your head's at? You're looking towards, you're looking towards the bend in the road. I wanted to talk about that, the current landscape, but without using the actual mm words uh, you know real words because that's sort of crude mm. <laughs> so i made a very very basic analogy um that that can be applied to much more than just capitalism i think it's got it's more about the mindset um that we must keep uh just keep spreading and consuming our world maybe it, you know before there was such a thing as capitalism, we were still doing that thing, this idea that we must keep growing and mm. and uh, the absurdity that I wanted to get across that I feel we have now is why I made it into a, a ridiculous thing, which is just making a mountain and there is no, there's no explanation. Yeah. And, th- and there's also a huge downside, which is that you have to live in the dark and you have to live... Mm more and more isolated and you have to give up um lots of things that are actually what makes us human like the sun and stuff you know clean air yeah it's like in order to build the thing that we think we should be building even though we don't really know exactly what that is we just have to keep on going and hey i will read it out because it's in another world society has built an immense mountain to make the mountain bigger they must make the hole they live in deeper and deeper so that's the sort of basics of it. And yeah, uh, talking about 101 part-time jobs, I want to speak to people about being in a band and the trade-offs that come with that and where you get the visualization, you know, where that to try and, you know, water underground. That's kind of how songwriting is, isn't it? Because you don't really know mm. exactly where it is. And of, of course, people like Lennon and like, you know, big songwriters will talk about how it's about writing a song is a bit like putting your antenna up and trying to catch something rather than trying to yeah, define definitely. it. And in my experience playing in bands and wanting to, you know, being interested in art at large, you know, the, the tension between that and regular quote unquote work, that mm-hmm. the analogy of, of building that mountain where we don't exactly know what we're building it for. I, I, I felt, I felt that many times in my life about like, I'm doing this cause I think I should be doing it, but I don't know why. And actually it's not even making me feel better. Mm-hmm. Is that yeah, something definitely. that you can um, feel? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm at a stage now where lots of those questions I'm asking myself, like, I don't own a house. I'm, th- I'm trying to buy a house. And I'm like, but do I actually, <laughs> yeah. do I actually want to own a house? You know, mm. and do I really want a mortgage for the next 80 years? And, um, I feel yeah. like that's a very 
you know, there's, it's pretty obvious why you might want to buy to buy a house. But there's a lot of questions like that that don't don't have such an obvious answer that um, feel like shared, like a shared thing that we just, I guess we're doing. Mm. I guess we're all doing this thing. I guess we are. I guess we're. I guess we're going to Mars now, and I guess we're. Um, we must. We must make everything more attainable instantly. Mm-hmm. I call that the ASOS effect. I'm like, I'll oh, get that yeah. denim jacket from ASOS, and I'll feel fucking cool, and then I'll get it. Yeah, and I, mean, I don't actually. Yeah, feel the very consumption cool side of it is is <laughs> just rampant, and it has been our whole lives, our parents' whole lives. Mm-hmm. But you, it's so sort of ingrained that you don't really. Um, you don't really ever think about it. Are we the generation? Um, none, none, that... of, none of what I'm saying is new at all. That's the thing that's mm. sort of crushing about it. I read this this book, uh, Capitalist Realism, which I've, I have read before, and again, it's not new. It's just a sort of um, it's just an analysis of where we are, and the more you, the deeper you get into it, you just sort of feel like, well, yeah, what is this? What what are we doing? Like, mm-hmm. what is this? This goal in this game do you feel you can separate that kind of let's call a spade a spade say what it is that kind of existentialism can you separate mm. that from your songwriting and being able to have a voice and a character writing about that yeah definitely um i've experimented over the the albums um writing as as different types of people or as imagined versions of myself and all that kind of thing and i went really went really far with that on the previous record so on this one i thought Mm. i'm not gonna have any characters not gonna have any kevin i'm not gonna have name anybody i'm not gonna have jennifer i'm not gonna do any of this stuff but uh, simultaneously i I didn't feel as though i wanted to make a very personal record it wanted i wanted to make it more it is personal but it's more about everybody rather than this is the thing that happened to me specifically um, I sort of come. It kind of comes in waves for me on records that will be the, probably the next album after this one might be more personal again. I don't know. It's not a hard and fast thing, and there are obviously quite a lot of personal moments on this. But I, I do find it easier to um, talk about large scale feelings that I think everyone is feeling, or at least a lot of people around me seem to agree on, even if they don't know it or they don't say it there's there's Mm. certain um you can sometimes tap into a a great unsaid thing Mm -hmm. um when you make art really is that the gold is that the nugget of gold no because then i would just be fishing around saying things that might have been said (laughs) and obviously i don't uh i never really have a plan when i'm making anything um it's just mm-hmm. to make something that I think's good usually. And then we go from there. There's a, there's a great big push and pull. I mean, there's, there's push and there's tension throughout all of your records, but you know, spending them, spending the, this morning with Mountainhead, it, the, when, when it gets to Canary, I feel like I'm on a different plane. And then when it gets mm-hmm. to Dagger's Edge, it is like, oh damn, this is, this is a trip. This is a trip around the sun. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Dagger's Edge has definitely got some, uh, <laughs> It's a story of two sides, shall we say. The first mm-hmm. half is kind of like um, not quite tongue-in-cheek, but it's uh, wears its influences quite heavily on its sleeve. And then the second half gets really, um, really sort of existential and 
lots of the stuff I wanted to say on the whole album kind of happen at the end of that song actually yeah yeah do you feel conscious about that kind of like backloading it with with what you're trying to say and you know whether that's intentional or not no it just it just it just fell out that way I think um you can you can sort of dance around it on a few things but then sometimes you're just like well what's what's what could be better than just literally doing a, a laundry list kind of thing yeah yeah um and I had this phrase, uh, tomorrow's bacon, which I think is a Hunter S. Thompson quote, um, we're all tomorrow's bacon. I think that's it. Okay. But it, I didn't know that, and I saw it in a film um, called, oh, God, it's like a hitchhiking film with Jamie Lee Curtis in, I think. Oh, I'm awful and with anyway, film there's names. Just, it's, there's, there's this one scene where she jumps up on the back of this truck and she writes in the dust tomorrow's bacon and i just thought it was a great phrase road games so that comes yeah that'll be it quick google that actually appears in um a song don't ask me to beg i think and then and then again in uh dagger's edge it's just i keep repeating it because that's kind of my my favorite thing i want to say yeah um yeah I mean, hey, where that imagery comes, you know, I I, mm. I, I I love it when you come across a phrase or it could even just be a word like aplomb uh, where it's like, oh, I love that. You know, I'm going to bring that into my vocab and hope my mates don't think I'm trying to impress them. But maybe, they, you know, maybe they can be impressed. But, you know, I love it when you can find a, a word that you really feel connected <laughs> to and it, it fucking says what you're trying to say. Yeah, there was something in that. Yeah, that's something in that that really felt resonant to me. I, I can't quite explain why. It's something to do with um the mechanism the, the sort of mechanized way that we uh slaughter livestock mm, right. and this this sensation of that me feeling like I'm on a treadmill towards that and, and everyone is and it's just this sort of very brutal image but um the the commerciality like the the fact that it's packaged as bacon rather than this horrific thing I, and i eat meat so i you know this is not even a something i can truly attest to but the mm. um the horror of it and that's happens quite a, f- a few times on the record there's a few mentions of the slaughterhouse and and that world i don't know why but mm-hmm. it, it's it felt something about selling horror and death mm-hmm. i tried to mention i tried to mention money or commerce in every song so i'll talk about i'm making so much money yeah here or i'll say i spent i spent your money all of the summer mm-hmm. um, or you can sell me this or i can sell you a fire hose blah 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 or i can buy this it's every single song i try to include that um some kind of uh transaction yeah um, yeah I mean, shall we say <laughs> i mean me and money are quite close to each other i'm i, I eat yes meat, they are and i know it's not right and i know the world would be a better off would be better off without it and but i still eat meat and i don't really mm-hmm. like the idea of having loads of money and taking money from my neighbor but in order to survive i will and I, i'm you know, chasing down invoices and i'm trying to get fucking paid and if you don't yep. do that then you're eventually gonna die and so this yep. that is the that's the push and pull 
You'll become tomorrow's bacon, mate. Tomorrow's bacon. I'll have it crispy, please. Crispy on the edges. your journey as a songwriter have you had different stages as a songwriter of course you you started at a young age i mean everything everything started when you were a teenager right well bands i was in uh from like 13 really yeah um started writing songs around there so yes those early ones were just about trying to mimic i guess and trying to um Trying to get something together that sounded like a song. <laughs> was it the music or the you know, people, the friends, the social that pulled you into it? Uh, it was both. So my brother played the bass. Um, I, I played like the trumpet. My two best friends in my little village, um, their dad got made redundant and he's asked them both what they wanted with the payout money. <laughs> Very good and, dad. Uh, my friend Jono said drums and my friend Ash said a guitar. And they got them, mm. and I. Well, and we don't. We just started getting into Nirvana around that time, and we kind of knew that they were a three-piece, and that was like all you needed for, to be in a band. And I knew my brother had a bass, and I was like, "Holy shit, guys! We could actually start a band." And I couldn't play a note, and they were t- pretty terrible at their instruments as well. But we had like the absolute bare minimum for what you could call a band, so we just did it. Yeah. Um, but really, it was it was just luck that that they got those instruments. You know, my brother had a bass. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And what kind of person? So, yeah, were I mean, you? that was were yeah. you the person who was wanging on people to get to practice, and were you getting on MySpace to book gigs quite quite rapidly? Oh well, yeah. Later on, I've, well, I've always been pretty terrible at self promotion. It was t- it took a friend of mine to to send a CD of my demos to uh, a producer, I think. Um, unbeknownst to me so he I'd given him a CD of my music and he'd given it to this guy and he got, really got the ball rolling I don't know what would have happened if he hadn't um, we should find that find that person yeah it's I mean it's I know exactly who he is he's called Will Astley and he's lives in New York now and he's uh, in a pretty pretty good band himself um, called Mammal Club check him yeah. out yeah um, <laughs> the the real like calling card of what everything I did early on was to try and make myself sound as different as possible. So I would, as soon as I got the feeling that I was using a chord sequence, like, you know, like a green day song or something that was mm. quite obvious and well-trodden, I would rip, I would erase it from my memory. I'd be like, I'm definitely not using that. I'm definitely not using four, five, one, you know, I'm definitely mm-hmm. not doing anything, um, which resulted in lots of very ugly stuff and very, awkward stuff. Um, and that was still going on into Man Alive era, really. I was rejecting anything that I thought sounded um, like anyone had done it before. Even though, if you were to analyze any of those songs, they've all been done before. Especially mm-hmm. like something like Two for Nero, you know, it's just very, very obvious chords. Um, and then I start, once I'd made that record, I started to sort of come out of that mindset somewhat. But there's always there's always been like a rejection of, uh, I don't want to say society because that's a bit strong, but anything that it seems a 
a large amount of people are taking part in, I'm usually will position myself in opposition to it. Um, <laughs> You're awkward. <laughs> doesn't actually, it doesn't really, it doesn't really matter what it is. Um, so I'll have a, a, a political belief and then I'll feel good about that. You know, I'll feel strong in that and I, and I continue to, but then I will start to investigate the, the absolute opposite mm. diametrically opposed thing to me. And I'll actually start spending time in that community anonymously um, because I want to understand. I don't know what it is, but I'm very much drawn to that a deep suspicion of um, the, whatever the majority are doing right now. And I think that really got into my, into terms of how I made music was, mm. well, if they're all doing that, I'm going to do this. And then I, I guess really my songwriting career has been a slowly coming to terms with that and, and walking away from it and walking back to it and finding out what, why I did that in the first place. Um, but yeah. certainly in the last, I don't know, six or seven years, last say three albums, two albums, um, my focus is shifting more and more into get writing the perfect lyric and less, I'm less interested in writing the perfect, uh, piece of music. It's becoming, it's not even music. It's more like, the, the, how things sound, the production of things is getting less and less important to me. And I, right. I'd be happy, more and more happy to just write a song that I think is great on, a, say, a piano and sing it and say, that's the song. Listen to how good those lyrics are and how amazing that melody is. Mm -hmm. um, but being in a band and being in a band with someone like Alex, there's a big push to uh, push the production envelope, which is one of the many things that he's very interested in and he's incredibly good at it but it's been quite nice for me to just take a bit of a step back from that whole thing and kind of go you know what I don't actually really mind how this song sounds when I present a song to the band I'm like this is the lyric and the melody and I think it's fucking great and I, you, you're not changing it mm -hmm. but how it's how how it ends up on the record you know have fun do what you want to it really. yeah yeah and that's that's kind of been a shift for me. To begin with, I was I was extremely adamant about how everything should sound and all that kind of stuff, and that's fallen away. And if I've got a strong idea and a strong emotion behind something, then I consider it like bulletproof anyway. You can do whatever you want to it because it's already great in my eyes. I, I recognise <laughs> the the emotional work and the patience and everything that goes into staying as a unit staying as a band yeah. for a number of years, you mentioned writing and Alex and the production, you know, having that yep. kind of relationship, will the relationship always come first to you before the music? Yeah. I mean, if you, if you want to be in a band, then you, you're in a relationship with three other people. You're not, music is, is a byproduct of that. Really. I think if you put the music first, then you're going to end up alone pretty quick, to be honest. That's funny because you know when you're listening to a record, it's you, there's two sides of the, two sides of the coin, there aren't there. How do you mean? Well, when if, when I'm listening to a record, I think, wow, what an amazing you know I, I'm listening to the music, of course, and I know that there's I know yeah. there's there's connection between those people, but and I love that. I love seeing that that it, I love being reminded, I suppose, that it is people. These are this is people making. It always is the thing. It it's weird because you think when you think of a band, say the Beatles, or blur or something you you think of the music but you it's completely 
intrinsically attached to the to the people and to their relationships and what if you like those people mm. i was thinking this recently like it's so hard to get into a band where you you don't really like the singer like it's just <laughs> really hard i was thinking about that like i know there's some bands out there that uh everyone says are great but there's something about them that i i can't give myself over to it and it'll be something like that that is not like the look of it's non-musical or the interview it's or not something. the sometimes it's sometimes it will be that their their attitude or whatever to suggest that music can exist as a pure thing separated from that i don't think it's really real like if if we stripped everything away in it we had to listen to all music as like midi tracks you know mm-hmm. <laughs> literally just notes on a page yeah maybe the absolute best ones would still come through but there's so much more to it than that. Like, I think it's community as well. When there's an audience, I mean, exactly, I think of yeah. Idols, a band like Idols. And when I first listened to them, I liked them. But when I really started to like them is when I saw how, um, how galvanized their fans were and how wild yeah. their shows are. Yeah, of course. I mean, that's a big part of it. A big part of uh, any band is how they perform live. And bands that don't, that don't play live, they have a completely different type of, you know, following and you have a different feeling about them. You mentioned earlier that you'd go anonymous into kind of particular oh God, yeah. scenes. Would, would that be online yeah. lurking? What, what kind of stuff we you talking about? Yeah, I, I, I don't exist online. Um, under my real name in more than two places, I think. Mm-hmm. One of them's Twitter, and I'm pretty selective about what I tweet these days, which is very rare. Um, it's never anything particularly... It's, it's rhetorical, shall we say. Mm-hmm. I, never, I never engage with something and expect responses other than people to say, that sounds good, or, you know, that's funny. Mm-hmm. I don't ever kind of go, go asking questions. Um, and Facebook, which is private, and right. I never fucking use it. I, when we put an album out, I'll put a post saying, new album, guys. And everyone will go, oh, great. Very well done. Friends and family. Um, exactly. So I really am online uh, anonymously, like in 99% of my use of the internet. And you'll look As for stuff. As are we all. You'll look for stuff on Spotify and YouTube. Music, I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, of course. Oh, music. Yeah, of course. I am. Um, in recent years, I have let the al- the algorithm guide me with music more mm-hmm. than I thought I would once mm. upon a time. Um, YouTube's they are, good they at it. better, but it's also very, um, it's just good at finding stuff that I wouldn't find otherwise, basically. Yeah. How's that affected your relationship with being in a band? You know, that idea that DSPs are really the, the place that you and I and everyone else is going to find music. It's just yet another thing. I mean, the music industry has been completely chaotic since we start, since we joined it. Basically, you had this stability of CDs right up to just when we formed the band. Basically, the end end of the twenty of the two thousands, mm. um, when streaming really took over properly after the smartphone, and uh, we were like, okay, I guess we do MP threes now. Then it was like, okay, I guess. We have to be on Spotify now. I mean, this is one of the 101 
part-time jobs, right? I mean, can you be like, you think about this stuff. I mean, you don't have anyone, I mean, you'll have a team, you know, you have a manager and a, and a PR and the record label, but do you feel like it is your responsibility to think about this stuff? Well, think about DSPs and like have, you know, know where you stand on playlists and have an opinion about it. No, it's not really. There's a lot of people who are getting paid literally to know that stuff. That's the, the, the job of the, of the label is, has shrunk and shrunk and shrunk. Even during while we've been a band used to be that they would control everything and do everything. And as the tides have shifted or whatever, the tectonic plates have moved. Um, and we've grown much more independent as a band. Um, their role has become much more about knowing how everything fits together in, in that sense. So how, mm. how important DSPs are, which playlists you need to be on, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. It's more about uh, this very specialized knowledge and networks rather than this all-encompassing we run the industry thing that used to happen it's very much a they've had to survive and adapt much just as bands have and it's a totally different kind of relationship i have with the label now than i did when i started out you seem quite neutral about it i feel like the 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 energy you're giving off is like this is what it is this is what you know is part of it we can't obviously i can't change it you can't change it this is this is part of it no no, I mean, I'm a consumer as well as a creator. So I, I appreciate the fact that I can access all this stuff in my pocket like everyone yeah. does. Yeah. I don't have a problem with um, with that, obviously. I think it's mm. good. But yeah. I think, yeah, I guess I'm I'm neutral about it because it, it, it is my job, you know, and it has been for a long time now. And it's, it, yeah, it keeps changing. I'm still incredibly lucky to be here. Mm-hmm. Um I'm not going to complain that Spotify doesn't pay me any money because <laughs> maybe it never should have. Maybe paying loads of money to people that write songs was always a bit of a weird mm-hmm. thing that happened at the end of the 20th century that never happened before or after. We just got into this little niche and got used to it. The amount of times you read about musicians or artists that never really get paid until well, well after the fact... It's, that is a common mm. common theme, isn't it? Have you have you have you have you been money smart since in your time in the band? Have you been quite good at uh, looking after yourself? No. no, I think I've been the least good of all of us, actually. In what kind of sense? <laughs> what, what are you thinking of? Uh, just not saving and things like that, um, mm-hmm. and just living a unusual lifestyle. Maybe sometimes. <laughs> How <laughs> for unusual? Some, for some, long stretches of the career uh somewhat unusual but i'm a bit more bit more sensible now like i say i'm trying to buy a house but i still don't have one and i'm nearly 40. i was reading about a skateboarder that i quite like that will go every now every now and then we'll we'll go on sort of a a big canoe trip effectively (laughs) right (laughs) and i think yes i'd love to do that that sounds great it does doesn't it have you been have you been much of a traveler Are, are those the kind of weird walks we're talking that's honestly, I feel that, that a need for that more and more as time goes on. That's the kind of thing. No, I haven't really done any of. I've been around the world, but I've seen the backstage areas of mm-hmm. around the world. Yeah, and not a great deal else. Yeah, um, I'd really love to do like a survival sort <laughs> of uh, 
a survival <laughs> experience. Really. Yeah. I want to go somewhere with that's really dangerous and Big sort time. of half die yeah. by myself. <laughs> that's what I actually genuinely really want to do. But I don't know if ever, anyone will let me do it. Drink some <laughs> snake's blood to survive. Yeah. Okay. Maybe not. <laughs> as long as it's not a squirrel or something. No, damn. I've got a neighbour who's totally obsessed with squirrels. And I mean, like, really obsessed. Like, we're talking the okay. definition of an eccentric. And she's an artist, and she has she has her big, big show coming up this weekend. She's so obsessed with squirrels. She got bitten by one last week, and it flared up, and she's going to wow. have to postpone her show. Well, so like, squirrels are... Uh, I was very dismayed to discover that squirrels are really vicious. And one of the things that they do to their enemies is they bite their bollocks off. Wow. All right. Yeah. Sounds quite um, <laughs> Brothers Grimm. It's just like, it's just like a PG podcast, by the <laughs> yeah, way. No, it's not. It's not at all. <laughs> okay, good. That's what they literally do because then, you know, what more, that's quite a, a strong attack, isn't it? They like their nuts. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> let's let's talk about work stuff because I know, like, I'm fully aware that you know a lot of this stuff. It, it is work. It's it's that it's that kind of weird, unknown spot between creativity and organization, and like work is mm -hmm. kind of across that. Um, have you have you worked many part time jobs since the band really kicked off? Or before? Since the band's kicked off, no. Not a single one since the band started. Damn. Uh, before, I was working as a note taker. All right. For disabled students at uh, uni in MMU Manchester. And in fact, I had a particular guy that I worked with for ages uh, called Greg. And he unfortunately passed away but that's what the song Final Form was about, is him. Okay. okay. So that came from my experience with Greg. And those memory, that memory, I mean, I, I don't expect that you imagined that you, you'd meet someone like Greg, you know, when you first go into that mm -hmm. job. Yep. And to sort of see that and take it as it comes. And I think those kinds of places where maybe you don't expect to make connections and then connections happen. Yeah, not at all. Yeah. It was a... We weren't that, we were pretty close in age, really. And uh, yeah, there was just lots of, I don't know, there's that that job I was going to just take him to the, take him into uni and write down everything the lecturer says because he couldn't write, mm. um, couldn't move his hands. And then, but then it would, I would start spending more and more time at his place, just like playing video games and stuff. And uh, yeah, yes. and we formed a friend. So he came to see the band. Um, I think when we played at night and day, and he was always really supportive of it. Great. And, uh, yeah, he was just a cool guy, and it, yeah, you know, it was nice to be friends with him. Really, it is. I, I know this is probably going to sound really green, but I don't care. Is that when you can forge friendships in unlikely places? It's something very special. You know, making friends at the skate park, and or making friends mm -hmm. with the guy who's three times your age at the pub or, you know, lots of these, these people who work behind, you know, maybe you, you shop yep. from them once a week. I really, I, I value highly those relationships. Yeah. Because they're, uh, the first to not happen. 
How do you mean? If that's not a too weird way of putting it. Because you didn't they, need them They're to usually the you ones didn't... that, yeah, you don't, you don't, no one goes out to look for them or, mm. you know, they're just an extra, they're additional to, to what you need in your life. Yeah. But I think you do need them. Yeah, big time. I mean, is there, would it be too far, would it be too, uh, too wacky of me to pull that back to making music? And it, maybe it's a bit of a Rick Rubin thing to say that, you know, when you're making a record, the idea that hopefully there's something happens that you didn't expect. Oh yeah, the def- there has to be. In fact, we um, we usually have at least, and we and we thank God we do, uh, at least one occasion when we make a record where someone will come into the room while we record, you know, listening back, and say like, "What the fuck is this?" or like, "What <laughs> what genre is this?" or "What what are we doing?" and in in all seriousness, and then and that's the moment we always know, right, we're doing something good. Is yeah. is that, if that doesn't happen, then we're probably making some <laughs> bollocks. Brilliant, brilliant. Hey, Jonathan, thank you so much for being up for chatting with me. This I love these kinds of, you know, the, the stories that you've been telling and the kind of ruminations. That's why, that's exactly what I want to do here. You know, thank you for-, for I'm a ruminator. <laughs> I'm no the worries. ruminator. It's the Terminator's cousin. <laughs> yeah (laughs) could we just end with you know i love hearing kind of work fail stories work gaff stories i mean (laughs) i worked down the road here not too long ago a couple of years ago and um was supposed to be tour guiding kids who their parents had paid quite a lot of money for them to each day do three or four things you know go to a for they're from spain and i was taking them to different courses and and one day i mean i just one day i just i lost three of them on the tube and they missed all their classes that their parents had paid for. And I found them. Right. It's, it's cool. It's, it's okay. What, what age are we talking about here? 15. So in the middle oh, okay, ground okay. of being like, you should they're be like looking after kids. them, but you're not completely sure. No. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Fuck them. And that place is now closed down, the school that I worked oh. at, which says, yeah. speaks volume. I mean, I wonder, it do you, and those kinds of mistakes. And, you know, I think that goes, I'm asking in playing music as well, you know, maybe something's messed up on stage and you've, you've had to kind of face that problem when it comes. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, there was a, cl- a classic bad gig very early on. Uh, have you ever been to the Thekla in Bristol? I have on the boat. It's yeah, it's a boat. Yeah. And it's sort of smelly, but I, I adore it. Let's, let's be clear. Um, it was actually owned by, a uh, member of the Bonzo Dog Doodah Band, who one of my favourite, one okay. of the biggest influences on this band, actually. Um, I've never listened. They're great. They're kind of like Monty Python-esque, 60s, ridiculous, uh, satirical band. Nice. Um, anyway, I was playing the keyboard in those days, uh, straight across the front, Looked already looked lame as fuck. And anyway, during, I think, NASA is on your side, the, the, the whole stand just concertinaed and just dropped right on my feet just like had a keyboard one second didn't have one the next in the middle of (laughs) sort of a a song uh you know like a dramatic song (laughs) and it was just like right (laughs) and obviously the 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 music stopped because i was playing it too so it wasn't like everyone just carried on it was just yeah what what do you do i can't remember what i did well did you yeah because I guess I you, you really have two options. I guess you can pretend it didn't happen 
or you can. Look, I could. There's absolutely no way because the 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 piano stopped, and the, that was the song. Was the piano? It's part of it, guys. <laughs> guys, part of it. Yeah, it's yeah. There's just no way. No fooling. So there he was here on 101 Part-Time Jobs, Jonathan Higgs from Everything Everything. I hope you're good. I hope you enjoyed that. I did. Mountainhead, it's out the 1st of March. They're touring. Go see them. Distro Kid supports this show. They're a great way to get your music out there. You don't need a label if you don't really need one. That's it. You can go to distrokid.com and if you're putting out music, distrokid.com forward slash VIP forward slash 101 pod you can get 30% off your first year when you sign up now if you're in a band you're an artist you think about releasing music go to distrokid over a million users prefer it over any other service to get your music out there this is the best way this is and this is this is just how it works now you're in a bedroom you can make music you can put it out on Spotify Apple everywhere this is the way to do it. You can also share file sharing on DistroKid. They do everything. DistroKid.com forward slash VIP forward slash 101 pod. All right. See you on Thursday when I got an episode with Ed Harcourt. We did a couple of live episodes the other week with Idols. You may have seen some of the posts about them. I fucking spent all week on Instagram. My eyes were hurting. I'm going square. The next one is with Bob Villain on the 7th of April. It's a Sunday at Bush Hall in West London. There are some tickets left. Head to 101parttimejobs.com forward slash live. I'm looking forward to having you. See you soon.